It's watering time, everybody. It is time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the truth of who Jesus Christ is. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I'm your host. And today is a bonus episode, and we are talking about cross-culturing. Yes, cross-culturing, and not just cross-culturing, but cross-culturing and time. Because whenever we encounter people from different cultures, inevitably we will encounter a different view of time in our own. And whenever we talk about time, we have to understand that time is actually a spectrum. Some of us don't think of it that way. I mean, we joke around, especially if we're from different cultural backgrounds. I've worked with many different people, and I'm amazed that almost every single people group uses their people group name to express time. For example, there's Romanian time, or Polish time, or German time, or Mexican time, or Cuban time, or Dominican time, or Indian time, or African time. And what that usually means is we have our own way from our own cultural background of understanding time. And the same is true for those who work in America and have been in the United States for a long period of time. We have a certain way of understanding time, and we often have this belief that our view of time is the right view of time. And that's not true. In fact, our way of understanding time is a rather recent phenomenon. It's something that has been a product really of the Industrial Revolution. I mean, we could go back and I could trace for you how even the clock developed and how we got so tied to the clock and the minutes and the seconds and everything else. But if we were to go back and look at the biblical narrative, we would see that time is conceived of a lot differently than we conceive it today. Um, In fact, there are missiologists. These are those who study missions, who study those who are working in the mission field, who are examining or who have noticed how different cultures perceive time. And it's really like a spectrum. On the one side are those who uh, value clock time, and it's to the minute and the second. And for those who have been in the West for a long period of time, specifically in the United States, this is how we operate. Our schools operate that way. Our workplaces operate that way. The military operates that way. It's all about the clock. And we don't mess around with that. When we say it's 12 noon, we mean 12 noon. Or if something starts at 4 p.m., we mean at 4 p.m. And other cultures, though, don't understand or look at time that way. In fact, it's much more fluid, and and they are on the other side of the spectrum, and they call that event time. Now, what do I mean by event time? Meaning that it's not about the exact time the event starts, but about the event itself. And let me give you an example. When I was a youth pastor in Chicago, I get I had students from all over the world, and it was always a lesson for me. I always had this opportunity to learn something new about a different cultural group, and we loved that. In fact, we even named our youth ministry Mosaic, um, and we called it Becoming the Picture of Christ. That was our tag because we were all with our different backgrounds and shapes and colors and ethnicities and experiences came together with our own little unique shapes to form this really cool picture of, or mosaic of who Jesus is. Um, and we celebrated that. And, and I got to learn so much with interacting with different cultures, if they were from Romania or Poland or Puerto Rico or uh, jo- Jordan or Finland. It was 
just absolutely incredible because I didn't grow up around that. I grew up in a small farm town. And so for me, my cultural experiences were very, very uh, rare, really. I, I can remember the first time that I saw someone who looked different than I did or had a different ethnic background and whose skin color was different than mine. And I remember also going to a foreign land when I was the first person who had a different skin tone than they had seen. And so it's been eye-opening for me and it's been a journey. But I really learned a valuable lesson when I was asked to participate in a quinceanera. Now, for those who are my Anglo friends who live in small towns, you probably have no idea what a quinceañera is or quince. For those who have grown up in any urban setting with those who come from Spanish backgrounds, you know exactly what it is because it's a familiar practice. But what it is, it's a quinceañera is a 15-year-old girl's coming out party. It's a birthday party, but it's also a, a party where she's like presented to the public. She's now considered to be a woman. It's part social. It's also part religious. Uh, I was asked to speak and to pray. Um, usually the father of the daughter does something special. I mean, the girl is really dressed up. This is a huge party. It looks actually like she's wearing a wedding dress and she has almost like a maids of honor, if you will. I mean, she's got like attendants and and there are young men that are there as well. And you, there's usually a choreographed dance that they they dance to. And, and it's a really awesome time, but it's something that I didn't grow up with and I wasn't familiar with. Now, this girl was Guatemalan, and so she asked me to be a part of this quince. And she also asked my wife to sing because my wife's a pretty good singer. So we were told that it started at 12 noon. We got the invitation and it said 12 noon. And they told us um, to be there at 1130 for a sound check, which really wasn't a lot of time. 30 minutes isn't much, but if you know the people and you know the room, it can go pretty quick. If there's any problems, that's cutting it a little bit close. But we did our best when we got there at 1130. And we were so surprised that when we walked in the door, there was hardly anybody there, including the sound guy. The sound guy wasn't even there. So we didn't know what to do. We're looking around the room like, did we get the time right? Or did we miss something? I mean, what's going on? We're walk watching the wait staff. I mean, they normally wear like a, a bow tie and a vest and their ties aren't even on. And I'm like, this thing has to start at like two or three o'clock. I mean, what's going on? And the sound guy walks in about 10, 15 minutes later, and he's not worried, even though we seem to be freaking out. We're trying to get this thing done. We're like, there's going to be a flood of people. And we did the sound check, and 12 noon came, and one person walked through the door. And we just kind of sat down like, what is going on? Did we get the time wrong? I mean, what is the deal here? And 15 minutes went by, a couple people walked in, 12.30, a few more, 12.45. I mean, this went on and on and on until everybody got there, and it started at 2.45 p.m. A full two hours and 45 minutes later, that's when it started. Now, needless to say, I was pretty frustrated because we'd been sitting around for a few hours. Like, what is the deal? Don't they know we have stuff to do? I mean, what is the 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 what is their major malfunction here? I don't know what's going on. When this like epiphany occurred, I had this thought in a flashback at the same time. And I flashed back to being in this class that I took when I was an undergraduate called biculturalism. And in this class, we learned about interacting with people from different cultures. One of the best classes that I ever took in college. And I remember having a discussion about time and this spectrum. Clock time, and on the full other side was event time. 
Now, I was looking at this event from a clock time perspective. You say 12 noon, you mean 12 noon. But in their culture, 12 noon doesn't mean 12 noon. 12 noon means really two or three o'clock by the time it gets started. Now, some might say that I'm crazy, but I've seen this play out in a lot of other instances as well. I've seen this play out in different cultures all the time because every culture has their own conception of time. And part of that is a product of modernity. The more modern usually a culture is, meaning that it's got a lot of technology and it's got a lot of things competing for one's time, the more tied to the clock you are. And when you have other cultures who don't have as many things competing for time and not as much modernity present, time is not as great as a factor. But there is a spectrum on this, and each culture is different. And just because there's modernity doesn't mean that they are completely clock-oriented, and just because there's no modernity doesn't mean that they are completely event-oriented either. I've seen all shapes and sizes. And it can become quite frustrating if you don't know how to navigate it. Um, it was frustrating to me and my wife that day, but when I learned it, I was able to relax and my stress level decreased. What do we do then when we interact with people from different cultures whose conception of time is different than our own and their event orientation affects our clock orientation? Well, that's the great question, and that's what everyone's asking. And how do you how do you then communicate that? Because you don't want to make offense. You don't want to create tension where there shouldn't be any. Instead, you have to ask questions, and you have to use the proper labels. And here's what I mean. I was doing an African wedding, actually a Burundian wedding. Um, I'd never done a Burundian wedding before, and it was a little bit different in how it was different than my cultural experience. To them, completely normal. And we did the premarital counseling, and it was really difficult to do because the bride, she'd been in the U.S. for a period of time, and she spoke English pretty well. But anyone who comes from a different culture, there are so many things that you have to navigate in the United States culture and how you have to live and values and work and time and food and smells and relationships and learning how to read people's faces and cultural cues and all of those different things. And so this young woman hadn't been in the United States that long, but she'd been in the U.S. longer than her groom, her husband-to-be. He had recently arrived, and he did not grow up speaking English and hadn't been in the United States very long and didn't know English very well, whereas she did. So most of the communication that I had was with her because she spoke better English. Now, this young man went to my church, although the bride had come from a different state and was moving here to be with him. Uh, so we were having the wedding at our our church building, but we were having a reception at a different church building. Actually, we had several different campuses. We were a multi-site church, and we had the we're, were to have the ceremony at our campus, while whereas we were to have the reception at one of the different campuses, which had a much larger gym that could accommodate uh, such a large gr large group. So we had the rehearsal set for 4 p.m. on Friday with the wedding to be at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And so I arranged this ahead of time because it seemed to me that was a little bit early to do a uh, a 
walkthrough or the rehearsal, but that's what the bride and the groom wanted to do. So I made the necessary arrangements and I got the lady who ran our sound system as well as the woman who was our wedding coordinator to make sure that they could be there on time. They were going to take off work a little bit early to come in to make sure that this happens. I mean, they're volunteers. And so I wanted to make sure that they had the proper time to get ready. Which led to a little bit of my frustration because at 2 p.m. on that Friday, I received a call or text from the bride and she was saying to me that they were running late and they had a thing come up that they didn't plan and they had to actually go pick up one of the bridal party in the next state over, which was Iowa. We are in Illinois. And so I I thought, okay, you know, she's letting me know about it. The woman who runs our sound is going to be a little bit frustrated, as is our wedding coordinator, but I've given them enough time. Hopefully this thing will work out. And I said, well, what time then do you want to go? And she said, well, I think we can, I'm sure we can make eight o'clock. Okay. Well, that's full four hours later. And so I had to kind of shelve everything, change my plans. And I'd already had things that were scheduled that I, I, I just had to cancel, but I made the necessary arrangements. And I made sure that the sound lady as well as our wedding coordinator was there at 8 p.m. Well, they are there at 745 and everything's set up. Everything's ready to go. Actually, the the sound lady was there, I think, at 7 to make sure all the mics were right and everything was ready to go. And everyone is prepped and ready, waiting for them to walk through the door at 8 o'clock. Nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. Zilch. There wasn't anybody there. And so I I knew that there was a different conception of time. However, I figured since we'd already changed it, then they should be here at eight o'clock. That doesn't give us a lot of playtime to have a rehearsal. Four o'clock was too early and eight o'clock is definitely too late. And I thought, well, we could still get it done um, and make sure everything fits together if it's not too delayed. And I'm getting a little bit frustrated because, again, I had pushed this back four hours. I have this uh, both these ladies looking at me like, where are these people and what is going on? So I waited around. And I said, well, just let's give them a little bit more time. 8.15, 8.30, nothing. So I'm making texts. I'm calling. Where are you? No one's answering. No one's responding. So I kind of on a hunch, I called over to our other campus and I said, hey, has this couple been there? They said, oh, they've been here for a while because I thought maybe they mixed up the locations. But that wasn't it at all. They were setting up for the reception and they'd been there for some time setting up for the reception. And so I'm getting really frustrated because now it's 845 and I am tired. I'm frustrated. I have been having these ladies wait around all day. So finally, in exasperation, I said to the secretary, I said, please put the bride on the phone. I said, I don't want to be a jerk, but these people have been waiting around all day. And if you're not here in the next 15 minutes, there's not going to be a wedding tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. You have to understand something. I don't do that. That's not normal for me. But I did it because I could see how frustrated these two ladies were. I was frustrated myself. I was tired. I wanted to go home. I hadn't seen much of my family. So they made their way there. Uh, However, not all of the bridal party made its way there. The bride and the groom did. But then we had to wait for the entire entire bridal party to come in. Now, if this had been a normal Western group of people, 
I, I probably would have started it without them, meaning that if I had the, the bride and the groom and a couple of groomsmen and a couple of bridesmaids, I would have done it. But because of the cultural differences, and I knew that they may not speak English, I really needed them there to walk through to make sure that there weren't any problems. And so finally, everybody gets there. And by the time it starts, it is now 9.45 p.m. the night before. I kid you not. It's so late. And I was so frustrated. So I kind of bit my lip and I said, well, let's do this. So we did it. And, and there were some things I had to navigate and it was cool. I loved learning. I loved interacting. I loved the enthusiasm. I loved the colors. And I, I, I learned a lot that night. Actually, for that whole wedding, I learned a ton. I actually watched a group of uh, singers come up on the platform to sing a special music and then dance down and then dance around the bride and the groom. It was awesome. Matter of fact, I was so excited that I danced back up on the platform. It was so moving and so cool to be a part of. But I learned a lot about not only African culture, but I learned a lot about time. Every culture has their different conception of time. And for this African couple, the wedding, actually, the ceremony wasn't as huge as a deal as it was to me. Being a pastor, to me, that's a huge deal. But I learned something. In the African culture, while the wedding is a huge deal, the reception's even bigger. And very few people come to the actual wedding. And if they do, they show up late. That, from my cultural perspective, was completely disrespectful. Um, but it wasn't to them because for them, as long as you were there, even if it meant the last five minutes, you were there. And then everyone made their way to the reception. And it was a huge party and it was a huge celebration and it was awesome to be a part of. And I learned a ton. Like, for example, many Africans like to have French fries at the reception. I'm not joking. It's a big deal as well as drinking orange Fanta. But <laughs> I learned a ton about cultures and foods and interactions and in time. And I learned something later after interacting with a World Relief employee who works with refugees. They said, if you need someone there at a specific hour, you need to say, tell them they need to be there and it's airport time. Most cultures even those who are unfamiliar with Western culture, they don't understand H sharp or 12 noon on the dot. They don't get that. But if you say airport time or airplane time, they understand. And it taught me a valuable lesson that whenever I would in interact with people in the future, I would lay out that airport time. And that would help prevent a lot of stress between myself those who were working with me, as well as those of different cultures, because they didn't mean any harm. They weren't trying to be disrespectful. In fact, everything smoothed out, and we had a great wedding, and it was a celebration, and they're in serving God right now, and it's pretty awesome to see. But we learn in these types of interactions, and we're going to fail. And whenever you interact with someone of a different culture, whenever you are cross-culturing, these things are inevitable. They are bound to happen. We just have to learn to keep going and keep navigating so that we can learn to truly communicate. And, and we don't want to shy away from that. Oftentimes, we like to interact with people that look and sound like us, and that's good. I mean, we need friendships, and part of being a friend to someone is sharing common experiences and a common language and a common belief system. But if we are to be the true body of Christ, we have to recognize that diversity that's there and not shy away from it, but embrace it. Because when we do, Christ's name is magnified 
Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, I pray that they may be one as we are one so that the world may know that you sent me. When we're trying to be one, when we're trying to learn from different cultures and not trying to force people to conform to our own, and we, we build relationships, and the name of Christ is magnified. Well, that's it for today's little short bonus episode on cross-culturing in time. I hope and pray that you might have grown from this and your understanding of different cultures, and it might further equip you to embrace or reach out to those who are different culturally than, than you're used to so that God's name might receive glory and that you might increase in joy. This is Travis Michael Fleming of Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. And